This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lagan. And I'm Tim Warden. And thanks for tuning into today's episode, brought to you by Arioneo. Arioneo offers horses the chance to express themselves while simultaneously providing equine professionals a chance to listen in a new, objective way. Arioneo believes in using the power of scientific insight to re- reinforce subjective gut feelings. And to do this, they have developed user friendly, comprehensive, and cutting edge analytical solutions. Their product, Equimeter, is the most advanced technology specifically designed for racing professionals. Users can effortlessly gather heart rate, speed, and stride data and can analyze over 300 metrics on the most unique and user centric analytic platform. Arianeo's relationship with their clients is about building trust. They, have, they take the time to meet each customer individually to understand their specific needs. And this customer experience is what makes Arianeo's services so unique. Arianeo is the link between research and the equine world and a perfect partner for the Sport Horse podcast. Our guest today uses this technology and she will speak about some of the research that she conducted uh, with the Equimeter. Find out more information on Arianeo's website training.arianeo.com. On today's show, we have Charlotte Schroers. Charlotte graduated from the University of Nottingham in the UK as a veterinary physiotherapist and completed an MSc on validation of the use of a fitness tracker to assess performance in thoroughbred racehorses. Prior to that, she worked in leading equine hospitals in both the UK and Belgium. She's currently undertaking a PhD at the University of Nottingham, on the use of big data to track performance in racehorses. For her research, Charlotte collaborates with a company specialized in equine fitness trackers, an equine sports medicine consultant, as well as racehorse trainers and performance analysts. Hello, Charlotte, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so excited to have you, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it because we've got a lot to cover today. Uh, You conducted one of the largest studies to date in any equestrian discipline examining cardiovascular and biomechanical parameters during exercise. Can you briefly describe how the study was conducted and how the equimeter was utilized to, to collect this information? Well, our research project actually saw the light in the middle of the pandemic. The world was changing and we soon felt that the racing industry was also taking a new turn. But at that time, I think prospectively collecting the data in the field would have been a real challenge. It was still the early days for the maker of, makers of the Equimetre um, from Arioneo's company. And in fact, I was the first PhD researcher to join the team. For several years, Arioneo had been working very closely with a racehorse trainer based in Chantilly in France. So his racing yard, around 230 horses, represented a typical array of flat racing thoroughbreds. In fact, I think he was probably one of the first ever trainers to use the Equimetre. So after an early morning visit at the Gallops, he agreed to jump on board with this research project. And what really struck me was the genuine interest he showed towards training practices worldwide. And I guess also his openness towards adopting alternative training strategies. So I guess that, amongst other things, led us to consider a comparative study, looking at the data recorded by the Equimetre in other countries as the value of the Equimetre really began to spread more widely in the industry. 
So through Avionev's database, we started looking at the different possibilities of countries and the candidate on top of our list was clearly Australia because the number of horses was very similar and the previously recorded data looked very consistent and organized. I think that's really important when you're going to start conducting a study. And I think also on another note, Australia has a history of adopting a scientific approach to exercise training, mainly through the Australian Institute for Sports. All along the study, we were really lucky to benefit from the input of trainers or performance analysis in both countries. And that really helped us in understanding the horse's daily exercise routine, especially the subtleties of their training. That was really useful for Australia as the training really differs from the traditional racing uh, nations such as France or the UK. So for example, in Australia, the horses will train in the dark with a light and sound system that enables the riders to count the seconds taken to cover any given furlong. We then decided to go ahead with analyzing the data for both countries, but in order to compare the actual heart rate and stride data, the different training intensities needed to be standardized because as you can imagine, a slow canter in France may be significantly different in terms of speed compared to one in Australia. So to do that, we used an existing classification that was established by the Australian trainer, and he referred that as soft, medium, hard canter to gallop. But as you can imagine, that was rather subjective because it depended on the jockey's ability to follow his instructions in terms of speed. So to make those categories data-driven, we took the fastest 200 meters, which is actually the time taken in seconds to cover a furlong that was recorded by the device, and that simply reflects a progressive um, acceleration. We then split that data into six groups to recreate that soft, medium, hard cancer gallop labels. Once that was achieved, we could then start analyzing trends in heart rate, recovery, and stride data according to the different speeds across both countries. So of course, we considered aspects such as different racetrack surfaces, for example, turf, fiber, or sand, the different age groups, and the sex of the horses. This type of study that actually looks at all these parameters taken together has never been done before. Today, it's the largest of its kind, and it really made us appreciate how different both countries were and what aspects influenced the racehorse's response at different intensities. It's clear that on a daily basis, a vast majority of trainers around the globe use the Equimetre to monitor an individual horse over time. They will look at its overall fitness, its performance, or anticipate any early signs of underlying disease or lameness. We wanted to explore a different avenue by looking at the entire group of horses of that yard and identify physiological trends. We believe that this helps trainers understand the qualities of their yard and look at the bigger picture. So it's really exciting that we have this data coming uh, into the stable. It's becoming more accessible and, and more uh, affordable. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Charlotte. So for the Arianeo uh, Equimeter, it produces a lot of data and it can be interpreted in, in a lot of different ways. Like what, what two or three pieces of information do you think are the most impactful that you can get from an Equimeter? Like what things should, uh, should trainers be paying most attention to? And what would a, a change in one of those metrics, what would that mean? 
So the one on top of my list would be the heart rate recovery because it's such an important measure as it reflects the fitness level of the horse. Um, so for example, a quicker recovery from a hard effort tends to mean that the horse is reasonably be, reasonably fit. So that would be my first one. And then my second one would be the speed of the horse at gallop and preferably over the last three furlongs. Uh, and and just like following up on that second one, like what yeah. types of things are you looking for over the last three furlongs? Like are, are you saying like we should be comparing like across days? So you'd maybe compare, you know, the, the speed or, or the time across those three furlongs on today versus, you know, maybe a week ago or, or what would you look for in that data? Um, I think I would try and identify a reference training. So identify that training that reflects the horse's fitness um, in the best way possible and use that reference training as an indicator uh, towards the preparation of a um, scheduled race. So if you take that reference training, you know that at that point in time, the horse uh, is possibly in top form. And therefore, um, based on that training, you'll be able to monitor its fitness and identify any changes in heart rate, in stride, which could um, then actually be indicating that the horse um, is not doing well or is not recovering um, appropriately has a change in stride which could be a lameness um etc that's really fascinating and there's a a lot to unpack there um i wonder um please forgive me for a second for (laughs) sort of making this so simple but i when i hear you describe such um a vast research project i like as a you know a non-scientist think about, um, you know, approaching research as like, I have a hypothesis and then, um, I set up a a way to test that hypothesis. Um, and I know, um, that a comparative study can be a little bit different, but would you mind just, um, explaining to me, uh, a little bit more about sort of how that works? Were there any hypotheses you had going into this, um, that, that you guys focused on, um, or was this more of a, a vast data collection, project to, to, and just to evaluate what kind of trends were there? Um, so I guess the primary outcome of our study was to report the, the effect of increasing speed. So that's when we talk about slow canter to hard gallop. And we wanted to see that effect on heart rate, on heart rate recovery after exercise, on stride length, stride frequency uh, in horses during training while considering for those different track surfaces, um, different ages of the horse and sex. Really, really interesting. And and I think you, you touched on a really important point, Charlotte, about the standardization of like how different trainers around the globe maybe talk about certain types of workouts and just some of the, even the terminology that could be a bit different or how they define uh, a, a different type of workout in terms of maybe the heart rate you're looking for, the distance traveled, the speed. It, it's important to make that all a lot more, cons- or, or to make that consistent across the different groups you can then compare. Um, 
and just even uh, coming back to uh, Nicole and uh, myself, we're, we're more on the jumper side. And it's even interesting to think about how uh, sometimes the different uh, terminology or lingo uh, in different parts of the world can almost make it a little bit difficult to have those conversations. So I, I think that's another like really cool part of the, your study that's om- almost a little bit maybe under overlooked or underappreciated is just like you, you you've almost created this nice way of defining different types of workouts around the world and kind of putting it into a standardized uh, terminology. So I, I thought that was really cool uh, as well. Um, the the one thing I, as I read through the study, I was, I was dying to ask you about, because uh, I have a, a bit of a biomechanics background on the, the human side uh, and, and specifically uh, track and field is something I'm really interested in and passionate about. Uh, so in your study, uh, whenever we talk about an athlete, whether it's a horse or a dog or a human, we know that uh, speed is going to be related to stride length uh, multiplied by stride frequency. So if you have a horse that takes more steps per second or takes longer steps, uh, that horse is going to cover uh, the ground more quickly. And in your study, looking at the stride length, stride frequency relationship, it was really interesting to see that increasing the stride length is what the horses were predominantly relying on to initiate a faster gallop. Um, a, a cool fact about horses is that during cantering and galloping, their breathing rate is in synchrony with their stride frequency in a one-to-one relationship. So every time they, they take a stride, they also breathe. So do you think that that relationship between breathing and stride frequency is why we saw the horse preferentially increase the stride length to increase their speed? Uh, and then conversely, in human runners, they tend to accelerate by increasing both stride length and stride frequency simultaneously. So it's, it's a little bit different in horses than uh, humans. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would, I really agree with what you say. I think to get faster horses increase their stride frequency and stride length, as you said, and that breathing then has to coordinate with that and breathing can't dictate stride frequency or stride length. It just has, it just responds to it. And that's what we call the respiratory locomotory coupling or the piston pendulum theory. And that occurs, as you said, in greyhounds and racehorses. The body acts as a piston and squeezes lungs and air out, then on fu- on a full stretch as a pendulum to suck air in. We know that racehorses increase their speed by a combination of an increase in stride frequency and length. However, very quickly, the stride length becomes the main means to increase speed with little change in stride frequency above hard canter. Racehorses that can maintain a high stride frequency have a particularly efficient cardiorespiratory system that they developed over time. But failure to that, they can risk premature breathlessness, while on the contrary, greater stride length taps into the muscles and requires strength. The longer the projection phase allows the horse to catch its breath for a longer period of time. However, the horse must be in sufficient physical condition to avoid muscle fatigue. So remember that every horse has a unique locomotory profile. It adapts its locomotion to its own preference and to what will be most efficient in terms of energy management. That's why it's so important to identify the acceleration strategies of your racehorse. Now, will it accelerate with its stride length rather than with its stride frequency? I think accordingly, trainers can work specifically on increased stride length or adapt training to the horse's natural gait 
So pinpointing its locomotory profile as a sprinter, miler or stayer will really optimize your decision making for future race entries. It, that's, it's so interesting. I, I love hearing this stuff. I'm definitely a, uh, a training junkie and cause it's really cool, right? It's an, it's another layer sort of, of how to approach training and, uh, not being a thoroughbred, uh, expert. I, I'm sure like the, the trainers over there already think about that, but it's, it's cool to start to think about like, okay, like how, how does understanding the horse's breathing, their stride frequency, th- those variables, the horse is essentially just telling you what type of race it wants to run, I guess. And, and so it's really cool to start to think about that. And as well as starting to really fine tune the training to, uh, to target that horse's body and which relates back to, you know, their, their muscle fiber contribution and their, their nervous system. It's, it's all really fascinating. It's really cool. Yeah. So, um, another aspect of your study that, uh, we really loved when we were looking into it, uh, were, was, uh, the, the evaluation of different surface, excuse me, of different surfaces. Um, in general, it seemed that, uh, we saw slower speeds and shorter stride lengths as well as lower stride frequencies, but perhaps better cardiovascular recovery on fiber or sand surfaces versus turf. Uh, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that recovery finding and why do you think horses recover better on sand or fiber tracks? I think the main reason for that lies in the fact that the trainers use different training surfaces for different workouts. In both France and Australia, the trainers conduct most of their slow workouts on sand. But for fast workouts, they expect horses to replicate race day conditions. So that would then occur on turf. I think, therefore, the heart rate recovery factor is probably due to an overall lesser intensity of exercise on sand or fiber compared to turf. And while statistics can adjust to various factors and present an individualized average for each racehorse, it can't be a well-designed prospective study to test this. I'd say it's important to understand that each type of racetrack will influence your horse's cardiovascular function in a different way. So for instance, a horse trained on sand will recover differently than a horse trained on turf. And knowing that, trainers can adapt the type of exercise intensity and the rate at which the horse will reach different cardiac training zones. It's good to at least know how different the responses are on different surfaces because trainers may train differently to achieve certain targeted goals, whether it's running the horse at the Breeders' Cup Classic or the Breeders' Cup Turf, for example. Interesting, interesting. And uh, I'm going to throw another question at you, uh, Charlotte, and just curious to hear your thoughts on this. So, So you're a physio. Um, and I know you're, you're busy with the PhD right now. so not currently practicing, but I'm wondering, is this type of data and information kind of knowing how hard the horses were working and, and when, is that really valuable potentially to you when you go in to provide the horse with some therapy? So do you wish that this type of data was disclosed more to the therapists and the veterinarians so that they knew when they showed up at the barn, like, you know, Hey, this horse had a really hard workout yesterday and maybe that's why its body feels a certain way versus maybe this horse has been, uh, had, had a really easy training week and the body still doesn't feel great. So that is more of a red flag. I'm 
curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I fully agree. I think horses can't speak. So all this data is just such valuable information to really provide that picture in terms of, okay, how are we going to adjust the treatment? How are we going to adjust the training? Is there anything we're missing out on? So I think it, that data will also enable us to like continue building that 360 collaboration with other pro professionals and, you know, do what's best for the horse. Awesome. So I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on what the next steps for this research will be. Obviously, I know you're doing some work right now for your PhD, but there are so many cool findings and take-home points from this work that anyone who's training a horse, regardless of the sport that they're in, I think that they can learn from this. So how do we move this forward? Where do you see this going? I think this new wave of big data that we're seeing in both the human and the equestrian elite sporting disciplines is really hitting hard. It's such an exciting time to be in the equine industry. So I guess this first study is really a stepping stone that has set the scene for new perspectives. It allowed us to refine the practicalities of the device, gradually adding more filters to it to draw the most complete and realistic snapshot of that individual training as possible. But it also allowed us to keep the needle moving in terms of scientific research. Our efforts to focus on finding new ways of helping the trainers, particularly for their decision-making on the field and also creating a more positive image around racing and welfare. Actually, after this research, we were really wanted to go the extra mile and we asked ourselves whether the sex of the jockey could exert any influence at all on racehorse physiology in training and performance during racing. So this work is actually under currently under peer review, but to find out, you can check out our preprint, which is available online. I guess now that we've gained a better understanding of all these parameters taken together, research opportunities are endless. But some food for thought could be applying the same methodology to compare other na racing nations, for example. Or we could go down the cardio locomotory route by creating resources that would help trainers in their day-to-day -day approach towards either performance or health monitoring. Um, another aspect worth considering could also be the use of Bluetooth technology to integrate metabolic signals such as glucose and lactate. Lactate is a really interesting molecule, actually, with respect to exercise and fatigue because thoroughbreds are so aerobically competent and insulin sensitive relative to human athletes. So I think measuring the use of lactate during various exercise intensities would be of great interest. That's really, really awesome and exciting. Uh, a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Um, so we, we like to end all of our episodes by asking the same question to our experts. And that is that if you could talk directly to a horse and educate them and that they, you know, really truly understood and, and could comprehend what you were telling them, what are uh, a few things that you'd want them to understand about sports training? I would say that in order for that horse to win the races it will race in and actually enjoy enjoy them, we first have to do some baseline activities to work on 
to work out what sort of horse they are. So despite the best efforts of their parents to make them a sprinter or a miler, for example. And then once a standard session has been established, we'll train you to be the best you can be. And we will check your improvement against our pre-established benchmark session. So if you do really well in races, you will have an easy life life ahead of you and leave a promising <laughs> legacy behind you. That's really great. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us today and sharing all this great information about your research. Thanks for having me. It was really, really a great pleasure for me to, to join the podcast. That was such an interesting conversation with Charlotte and um, I know that you and I, Tim, come from you know the show jumping hunter jumper world, but it's so valuable to be able to learn from research happening, no matter what the discipline. Um, and I think what's really cool here, uh, you know, there tends to be a lot more funding for research in thoroughbred racehorses, uh, you know, versus other types of of sport horses and disciplines, but with the research that Charlotte's doing, there's so many implications and insights that can easily be attributed to other disciplines. So I think it's really valuable and, and it's, it's great to be able to talk to her about her research and and see how it applies to all different types of sport horses. Yeah, I completely agree. It was really fascinating to learn a little bit more about how thoroughbreds are, are trained and some of the metrics that those uh, individuals who are writing those programs and monitoring those horses are looking for. Um, I know our group has talked to uh, Dr. Chris Navas from Pennsylvania a little bit, and he's using the Arianeo uh, devices with eventing horses. Um, our guest on, I think, the fifth or sixth episode, Emmanuel Van Eric Westergren, she also uses the equimeter, um, first largely for sport horses and some race horses as well. But uh, again, like it's been an incredibly valuable addition to her practice, and it's all about just better understanding uh, the physiological and biomechanical uh, outputs from these horses. So how can we interpret that? What changes can we make? And ultimately, what can we do to improve performance and to limit uh, the risk of injury based on those uh, metrics? So it's uh, you can learn so much from any sport, I think, and apply it to your own. So really, really interesting discussion with, with Charlotte. So with that, uh, that's a wrap for today. You can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.sporthorsepodcast.com. As always, you can also follow us on social media. Uh, We're at Sport Horse Series on both Facebook and Instagram. I'd also really encourage you uh, to engage with us on our social media. Let us know what things you're interested in. We're always, um, you know, talking to a lot of exciting new guests and, and trying to bring you, you know, the most up-to-date and exciting um, conversations, but we'd love to know uh, more about what you guys want to hear. Um, so please uh, message us, DM us, all that fun stuff. Um, like us, follow us, share us with your friends. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with the free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also, of course, find Sport Horse Podcast and the other shows from the Horse Radio Network uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we want to thank again our sponsor for this episode, Arioneo. And here's to keeping your horses happy and healthy. 